Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, the 17th century British author James Howell once said, Words are the ambassadors of the soul. Indeed, they are. Words are agents. Words are the heralds of our heart's desire. Sometimes that's for better. Other times it's for worse. But that is exactly what our words do, isn't it? Our words make known to others what lies deep within us. Think about it. Words, sometimes because they are so few in number, can reveal a heart heavy with sadness or grief. Words also make known the soul that's light with delight. Words betray the soul that's heavy with guilt, and they don't easily keep hidden that heart that's in love. Indeed, they are the sent representatives of our inner thoughts and our emotions and our cares. James Howell was right when he said it. Words are the ambassadors of the soul. In the coming weeks, we'll keep this well in mind. For during the season of Lent, we will, in these Wednesday evening services of prayer and, and preaching, we'll consider the, the, the words of our Lord Jesus, his agents, of his heart. Now certainly, while any word of his is well worth considering and, and does certainly bring to us what lies deep within the heart of God, we consider in these coming weeks the words, the very words that he chose to utter with his dying breath. For are there other words that a man would have mean so much as these? His dying words? Is there another time when we would choose our words so carefully as when our words, like our breaths, are numbered? Many of you know that from first-hand experience, personally in your own lives. Perhaps the words that you chose to speak to a loved one as that loved one was dying. I was intimately reminded of it just a few weeks ago as I had the chance to talk with my grandfather on the day that he died. There are perhaps few other words exchanged in life that mean as much as the words that we would speak with our dying breath. And so, in the coming weeks, we consider those very, very special words of our Lord the words of his, the ambassadors that he chose to send to us. The words that he chose to utter with his dying breath. Tonight, being this the first week of our five-week Lenten series, it's fitting that we consider his first words that he spoke to us from the cross. The first words that would bear to us and represent to us the heart and the very soul of this one who speaks them. St. Luke records these words for us from the cross. You heard them reported to you tonight. These are the words that serve as our sermon texts. Luke writes, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, or the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right hand, and the other on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What words? What first words? What first words they are? 
ambassadors are they words that reveal to us the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, who even while they're hanging in the stead of mankind, put there by mankind, yet he pleads for pardon on behalf of mankind. Father, he says, forgive them. Note this well with his words, friends. He didn't curse his executioners, which well probably was the common language of the condemned. He didn't hurl words of insult at the passers-by who looked upon him and his undue shame, and there they wagged their finger at him and they shook his head, their heads at him. Note that neither did he send words of ridicule and condemnation down upon those standing below who certainly were sending their words of ridicule and, and condemnation up towards him. None of these things he did with his words, but rather his words confirm what his nail-pierced hands and feet and his thorn-encircled brow already tell us of his heart. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And if you want to know the the heart of the Father, then look at the word that he sent. Look at the word made flesh hanging on Calvary's cross. See the ambassador of the Father, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he spared not his own son. That's his word to you. That's his heart. In fact, it's in a a hymn that you know well, O bless the Lord my soul, the last verse of that hymn sums it up so well for us, the heart of the Father. It goes this way, His works and His laws and His ways He made by Moses known, but showed the world His loving heart in Christ, His only Son. Father, forgive them. Those are heart-revealing words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. And no doubt that was true of the Roman soldiers there, who very probably didn't realize, despite the regal title that he wore, simply probably didn't realize just who in the world it was that they were mocking, who it was they were torturing, who it was that they were executing as they coldly and they mechanically carried out their marching orders. But there is no innocence and ignorance And are we any less guilty than those rugged Roman hands when we would rather blindly march to the the drum of the world, ignorant, and so often content to be ignorant, ignorant not knowing what we do, not knowing just how our Lord would have his redeemed sons and daughters live, not knowing how he would have us speak to one another, not knowing how he would have us think of one another, or live with one another, or forgive one another, or bear painstakingly with one another, just as God in Christ, as we heard in that epistle reading, just as God in Christ has been so loving and forgiving of us and painstakingly born with us, knowing not the grave consequences of sin in general, in, of our sins in particular, we tend to think on it all, all too lightly, don't we? We know not what we do. We know not what damage we've done. 
And it's certainly true even of us Christians, just as those soldiers, for instance, didn't appreciate the word and the work of God that was right there before them on that day. So also we tend to underappreciate, and I mean all of us, we tend to, to underappreciate and undervalue the eternal significance of the word of God that's before us even here today. And the work that our Lord is doing, the eternal work of eternal significance that he's working in us here tonight. The word each and every time we hear it or, or read it or receive it wrapped up in the sacrament there. We know not what we do and how true that is of us Christians. It's because of that old nature in us continually urging us to march to that, that unchristian beat. We so often find ourselves knowing not what we do even when we well should know what we do and what we are to do. So often though don't we feel like St. Paul? St. Paul, who describes it so well in the book of Romans, in speaking of this lifelong contention that exists between the new and the spirit-born man in us that yearns to do what God would have us do, the contention between that spirit-born man and the old sinful nature in us, with, which always and ever until it finally dies on our last day, yearns to do that which God does not want us to do, Paul describing that lifelong contention in Romans. And don't we so often feel like him when he writes, For what I am doing, I do not understand, he says. We know not what we do. For what I will do, or what I will to do, he says, according to the new man, what I will to do, that I do not do, I do not practice. And what I hate, that I do. We know not what we do. But his dying words tell us plainly that Christ Jesus knew exactly what he was doing there on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. An intimate prayer, intimate words spoken between the eternal and beloved Son of God and his eternally loving Father. Words made known to us precisely so that we may know even here today what's in the heart of God. The Son, with his thoughts and his words and his deeds, with his own blood, the Son of God pleads pardon for us. And the Father forgives us. How can you be sure? Take his word for it. Take his word for it. For he left his word there on the cross to become our sin for us, to know for us the punishment of sin, that we, the forgiven, need never, ever know. And now risen to life, Christ Jesus, he now lives to make intercession for us still. To this very day, in this very hour, indeed to this very minute that we sit here, the Son of God is risen and at the right hand of the Father pleading. And forever and forever invoking the blood that he once shed on the cross. His blood ever pleading our forgiveness and the Father ever forgiving. The Father ever true to his word.
with his dying breath, our Lord chooses these very words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My friends, these indeed, they're words to live by. And they are most certainly words to die by. When the great Western Church Father Augustine of the 5th century, a bishop in northern Africa, when he was near death and his strength was ebbing away, he pleaded with one of his friends to paint on the wall opposite his bed the words of the 32nd Psalm. And you might well know these words. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And the dying Augustine, he lay there gazing at those words, clinging to those words as the darkness closed in upon him. But I ask you, are there better words to cling to in life and in death than the words of our Lord? I say not. For when all is said and all is done, there is no other word that remains but his. A unique testament to that lasting word of God sits not far from New York City. In the shadow of that great metropolis, there's a cemetery. And within that cemetery, there's a peculiar grave marker. And on that headstone, that peculiar headstone is etched but one single word. And the word is forgiven. That's it. Forgiven. There's nothing else. No name, no date of birth, no date of death, no words of praise for the departed. Just that one single and solitary word. Forgiven. And yet what other word would be more fitting than this one? Because forgiven is how we stand. It's how we stand in life, and it's how we stand with our dying breath. Forgiven because the Father has in word and in deed forgiven us completely in his Son. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In our lives, day in and day out at work, or at school, in faith, and in love. Let these be the words that we live by, and words which ease us when we too would draw our dying breath. Father, forgive them. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen.